Welcome to A Way of Thinking. I'm your host, Jessica Huang. This podcast is a place of exploration to learn and grow from each other on the journey to becoming our best selves. Let's get to today's show. Our guest today is Andre Berdachevsky. Andre is a Dharma yogi and global sustainability and future of mobility executive. He is based in Singapore. So welcome to the show, Andre. Thank you. Namaste, everyone. <laughs> so Andre and I met through our 200-hour teacher training, and we are actually both currently in the 500-hour teacher training at Dharma Yoga Center. And so we had this lovely opportunity to actually do this interview in person. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Andre. Thank you for having me. Really excited to talk today. Yeah, absolutely. So Andre, I'd love to get started, if you can, um, talking about the work that you do in global sustainability and future of mobility. So can you start there with explaining what that is and, and what the work is that you do in that area? Absolutely. Happy to do this. And I think in, in that regard, I'm wearing a couple of hats. Right. One is working on the topics of the movement of people and goods, which I believe is a fundamental human right or a fundamental human enabler. It uh, mobility allows us to interact with each other, to get to jobs, to get education, healthcare, get a social life, and unfortunately, it's not equally available for everyone. And in its sense, it's also not always sustainable and safe, right? So <clears throat> we are working with a team of data scientists and a team of consultants to develop solutions to make mobility more ecological, more equitable, and uh, create economic opportunity for everyone. This is my, my, my corporate task. I'm also investing in companies because I'm a big believer in uh, sustainability in that uh, the climate crisis is the biggest crisis of our generation. So I'm looking into companies in climate tech and in vegan food tech, and trying to help young companies where I can, both on the financial side, but also as, a, as an advisor, to scale up the solutions which can help us to leapfrog in the sustainability area. Amazing. Amazing. Do you want to talk a little more in depth about what these, these startups are really doing? Yeah, I think there are two exciting startups recently in the portfolio. One is actually based here in New York State. It's called Wings Foods. It's an, a colleague of mine or an ex-colleague of mine uh, who is also a mom who started with a mission to create healthy foods for children, right? So children uh, from the age of two, three years old. The products are designed in a way that the nutritional profile, but also the taste profile is adjusted to, to the needs of, of children. And of course, it's violence-free and vegan and uh, helps to actually eliminate dairy milk from the diet of children, which which uh, is not necessarily a healthy product to have, but also um, not a sustainable product. The other company, which I recently am uh, closely involved with, is called Salivate, Salivate Technology. It's a Singaporean company, uh, which focuses on accelerating cell growth. So it has technology to accelerate cell growth. Think about products like cultivated meat, where you take the cell of the animal and you grow a steak out of it without killing the animal, but also products like leather, where actually the product capability can be designed to the needs and grown in a way which the industry needs, be it uh, fashion bags or, for example, uh, automotive seating. <clears throat> and Salivate is not doing the end product. They're helping to develop the technology to accelerate it, so to make it more, more sustainable and more cheap in a way. Hmm. Very, very interesting. So how did you actually get into working in sustainability and future of mobility? How did that actually become the thing that you wanted to focus on? Well, I've been, I've actually came into the topic of electric vehicles more from the market need, I would say. I've been consultant for over 15 years now. And back in 20. 11, 2012, when the first generation of purpose-built electric vehicles was starting, I came to work out of Germany on electric vehicles and uh, electric vehicle infrastructure, right? But then I think what changed 
a lot in my perception of, of the issues was the Global Leadership Fellows Program of the World Economic Forum, which I was part of from 2014 to 2017. So I left the consulting world and came to work for the World Economic Forum, uh, a very mission-driven organization with a mission of improving the state of the world. And I was very fortunate to participate in this program, which already kind of moved me from a state of you know, being a, an insecure overachiever as a consultant towards being more empathetic and being more vulnerable also in the, in the workplace. Hmm. Do you feel that it was a very intentional directional shift for you or was it kind of just part of par for the course, if you will? Well, it's interesting that you ask because at this point I didn't feel like uh, when I joined the forum, I didn't feel like joining, right? So, so mm. they called me up. We had, I think, 12 interviews. I was like, well, it's interesting, but I love, love my current job. Uh, we're on the growth path. It was I was very career-oriented at the time. And I assessed the career opportunities and thought, well, the forum is a great platform to build your network, to build your relationships. And I didn't expect this, that this mission orientation and the program itself, which is training the leaders of tomorrow to be more compassionate, <clears throat> more empathetic, more mission-driven, the benefits of this program. But when I met the people in the program, which were amazing individuals, right? So you, I don't know why you have me in the show. You should interview <laughs> those guys. Um, that opened up my eyes. And it took a while, to be honest, because I came came in with a very corporate mindset and very, I would say, return-oriented mindset uh, to understand that there is more in life than career and finances, right? And there is more in terms of our task. So it is a little bit of, a, I think, retrospectively, a path which brought me to the forum and to this program, which started opening me up and then other steps followed. Dharma, our, our teacher, talks a lot about the Dharma, right? About yeah. the, the path in life. And I do believe that things happen for a reason, right? And um, that this step was amazing to me, both in terms of the career, of course, but also in terms of the personal development. Yeah, it's it's interesting because sometimes it's not, not intentional, but you end up with the things that come into your path that are leading you in, in the direction that you ultimately want to be in, you know? And so it, that's why I asked that question. I was like, oh, it, it was something that happened to present itself, it sounds like. But it was kind of a huge stepping stone in who you are today. Would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the people are a big part of this equation, right? It's not only the structure, the methods, the program, which is amazing, but it's also the individuals which I was fortunate to learn from. Right. And who also had the courage to tell me, you know, maybe certain things, the way you're thinking, you might be going into a different direction right? to be a kinder person. Mm. I mean, that's exactly why you are the one on the show is because you switched <laughs> that perspective. And that is compelling. Right. Because not everyone necessarily does. Right. A lot of people, I, I think generally a lot of the world is very focused on what is that end goal of in my career and how much money can I make? So it's, it, you know, it's interesting to hear that shift in mentality coming from you. And I think it's interesting that you talk about it because it reminds me of the growth and fixed mindset, right? Where mm. I think we, these days, we still experience a lot of fixed mindset. I think it's slowly shifting in terms of working for a state which is in the future, and doing whatever it takes to get there, where else the growth mindset is about enjoying what you do. And it does result in, in a higher uh, learning, in a higher uh, success, however success is defined, and in higher happiness, right? Because the one is in the present rather than living in the future and not taking care of, of the present and not being present. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so important. I mean, I think a lot of what we learn through Dharma, through, you know, a lot of the teachers, uh, great teachers that talk about um, mindset is around how do we come back into the present mo moment. And I think that, that that idea of being in the growth mindset is is exactly a testament of that. How do you focus in on what you're doing today? And it will get you there. But how do we focus on what we can control and what, you know, 
how we can grow ourselves in this moment. So I, I absolutely agree with that. Great. So I'd love to talk a bit about how, how did it, how did it impact you when you then did the 200 hour Dharma yoga teacher training, for instance, like what was the kind of shift that that brought into your life and into like your work life for, for example? So I think a lot of it goes together with the yama and niyama, right? The first two limbs of yoga and the moral principles uh, we live by. And I was very fortunate in 2017 already to meet my teacher Daphne in, in Hong Kong, who is a very experienced and senior Dharma yoga teacher and who transfers the messages of Dharma probably for me the best way uh, a human being can. And she started teaching me the Yama and Niyama, right? And then um, in the training, hearing it from Dharma and understanding his perspective on compassion and being compassionate and seeing yourself in others. So trying to imagine, you know, how does the person feel what is going on? So you can, but also understanding that we are all equal and one that was important to bring it into the workplace at some point. And I remember Yoshio, another very senior teacher, saying in our 200, giving us a speech actually, saying, you know, we need more teachers, doctors, bus drivers, office people with a yogi cart, right? And and that stuck in my mind. And I was always thinking, how can I bring it back into my workplace, right? So how can I be a compassionate leader? How can I bring the the yama and niyama and especially ahimsa, the principle of nonviolence and compassion into the workplace? And it's a process, right? It's not something which just clicks and you start to be compassionate. It's something you're working on in every interaction and by observing yourself, observing your mind, observing your speech and then uh, and your actions, of course, and then slowly changing the way you interact with the others. Mm. Okay, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit deeper about what has that really looked like in terms of the interactions that you have? Like, how do you feel like you have really changed in your leadership style through this process of becoming a more compassionate leader? So it was, again, very interesting because the the teacher training hour 200 coincided with the start of the pandemic. Actually, mm. when I came back to Singapore, it was already on high alert. We still weren't wearing masks, but six weeks later, we went to, into the lockdown, which lasted, I think, two months. And this was the time where I was also new to the team. And I had have been given an opportunity to work with an amazing team of, of uh, very smart individuals, but also grow the team, right? So to hire people. And when I came back, I, I was thinking about, oh, how can, I, how can I apply this, right? The yogic principles. And uh, one of the things which I was thinking about is to focus not only on career and finances, but also on personal development, right? So to see, okay, what do people need in terms of their parenting, their relationships, their fitness, their so, so the physical fitness, the fitness of the mind, so their, their intellectual development, their spirituality, spiritual development. So we actually developed this together with the team and we started introducing a couple of, of things. Some of them are, are coming from our already established principles, like we had the innovation hour, right? So it's I think it's it's a Google principle, 3M does it as well, in terms of having two hours every week to work on non-work related stuff. And then we had idea jams where the new ideas were pitched and we could uh, develop new solutions out of this. But we also started uh, doing yoga. So having a regular Dharma Gentle and Dharma One practice uh, on Fridays, first in person and then over Zoom. The folks who have stayed have been very, very uh, dedicated and, and uh, amazing practitioners. Right, so so discovering their yoga journey, I had vegan lunches on, on on Fridays, to contribute a little bit to the sustainability topic, but it was more about supporting each other through the pandemic, the regular check-ins, the team where we wouldn't be talking about work, but really talking about what's going on, guys. How do you feel? How is it to to be at home? And people were sharing stories. You know, we had people who had kids, who had cats, who had 
dogs or like me staying alone by myself because we weren't allowed to meet other households. And it was just being there for each other, supporting each other. And I do think that this is also something which we see more and more in corporate cultures evolving. Of course, it's more difficult for the bigger companies to transition to this holistic view. But slowly, we see the importance of this and also the topic of mental health, which, as you know, in Asia is probably much less unvoked than, than in other parts of, of the world, uh, but now starting to be also very relevant. Yeah, that's very, the timing is very interesting. Absolutely. I mean, with the pandemic, that was definitely a time where it's like, I feel like in many workplaces, we kind of banded together in a certain way. Do you feel like people were very receptive to the idea of the, you know, kind of bringing these yogic kind of principles into their workspace or into their lives, really? Were people open to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think people are first at uh, a little bit skeptical, right? Because this is something they might not know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they realize that you come with an open heart and and uh, good intentions, I think people are very open and grateful. And we do have a wonderful team. Even the folks who left keep in touch and keep very engaged with the team. So that's a testament for me that, you know, we bonded over something which is much bigger than than just work and and money. Yeah, absolutely. Are you still working in like kind of a more consulting type of environment? Is that correct? Yeah, it, it is a so I have a split role between consulting clients, right? As a, as a strategic mm-hmm. advisor to companies and uh, governments, but also in terms of leading a product teams which are developing actual products, so software products uh, to advance the future of mobility. One example could be, for example, that built a platform to optimize the location of EV charging stations using very advanced analytics where we look into where are people moving, where are they stopping, how much time are they spending there, uh, where would would it be convenient for the people to charge, and then analyzing the electric grid, saying where do we have the capacity to, uh, to charge, developing this platform in a dynamic way that we can, you know, that you are not going in and saying we're plug everything fully packed with charging stations and then wait for the demand to come. But we give our clients a gradual rollout plan, how they can uh, scale up the infrastructure in line with the demand so Mm. that there is no resources wasted on the one hand side. On the other hand side, that you enable the um, electrification transition in mobility, transportation. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like vastly important work, frankly, to me. You know, I think that as you said earlier, climate change has been such like a hot topic. And and it is, in essence, kind of the biggest thing that, I don't know how to put it, but really that, you know, it's, it's this huge problem in our world. And, and it feels like, and it feels almost overwhelming, you know, so do you feel like because you get to work in that space that you, you feel like you're, you're making some momentum in, in helping with climate change? Or like, what is your relationship to that? I, you know, I, I try to always stay positive, which is sometimes <laughs> difficult, especially when you're in certain countries where plastic is everywhere, uh, <laughs> and the consumption is 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 not very sustainable. But I think it's it's the same as as the uh, when we talk about the yogic principles, right? Where you talk about what is the reason for suffering? It's ignorance. It's the same for climate change. Mostly mm-hmm. people don't know, and. Uh, not only in the negative way in terms of what they are contributing to the environment, but also in terms of how amazing the world could be if we would all do our part, right? So, so a teacher in, in our 500 class, Sam, uh, said this recently, right? So don't try to get the people by fear because fear only induces uh, distance and, and violence, but try to get the people by showing them how amazing the things could be painting this vision in the picture if they would take action right and and in in the corporate world that's pretty easy because you paint the picture of financial returns if you invest into the right thing and sustainability is is basically the new internet Mm. this is what's happening so that makes me very hopeful because there is a financial case for it but i think also for the individual action 
when people understand, for example, consuming less meat, what are the health benefits, right? How amazing uh, your body feels once you start to get the high vibration foods, the, the veggies and the fruit, <clears throat> and how you are calmer when you consume the right things. When they start seeing how beautiful it is to go to a beach and not run through through an ocean of, of plastic bottles, right? Or to, to hear the birds sing, which might be extinct if we don't take care. This is when the individual action starts. Yeah. And then another thing which... I've been very interested in is, is, is kind of the iconic status of, of products, right? So when, when we talk about cars and electric cars, once there is a supercar and it's a very desirable vehicle, people start buying the cheaper version, right? And then because one day they could afford it, right? So, so um, I've been helping, for example, with one brand to launch a car which costs one and a half million dollars. And it's a purely electric car which accelerates uh, from zero to 2.9 kilometers per hour in, uh, sorry, it's from zero to, to 60 miles per hour in 2.9 uh, seconds, right? So this is, and it's a great looking car. So this is something desirable. If you're a, a young boy or girl, you want to have this and then you consider, oh, maybe I go electric, right? Maybe I go more sustainable fashion, the same thing, right? All the fashion brands now going away from exotic leather, hopefully soon with our technology from leather completely. It's now becoming unvoke and fashionable to be sustainable, which is a good thing. Yeah, right? yeah. It's interesting because it's it, it really does play into the psychology of people, right? That, that's actually something that was coming to mind earlier when you had said, you know, that sustainability is becoming the cool thing or like has more of the financial incentive. So then you're getting people who may not be in the mindset that you have, but who are ambitious and driven and still going after money and whatever, what, whatever you may say around that. But they are interested in working in sustainability because it still uh, has those incentives but built behind it. Yeah. Do you I, feel like that is the case or, or what, what do you feel like has been kind of your take on that? I think there is no wrong reason to mm. do the right thing. You know, if I you're doing that. the right thing, whatever motivates you, that's meant to be, right? And again, we're coming back to the Dharma and to the path, right? Yeah. Where maybe you do it, maybe you do it not out of completely unselfish reasons but if you do the right thing it's perfect it's perfect so i'm trying to find these reasons to make people do the right thing that's that's basically what what i what i'm trying to do and that goes back also to to the investment topic right uh yes for example wings is 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 a wonderful product which is actually very well contributing to uh, to uh, children's health, but then I'm also invested into a fund which supports all kinds of uh, vegan food tech, and we have vegan tacos and you know all kinds of ice cream and junk food. If you need it, go for it. It's wonderful. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big consumer of junk food myself, as you can see. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but but it's 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 then helping to save uh, to save animals, right? It's helping to save the agricultural capacity because uh, the majority of agricultural produce which we are producing is actually there to feed the animals and a lot of monocrops which contribute to deforestation and uh, you know having less carbon sinks is there to to support the mass farming and animal agriculture so if we can help someone to eat something which is not involved into these practices for the wrong reasons i'm all for it yeah, it's it's interesting the idea behind these like um, the Impossible Burger and all these kind of meat substitutes that are vegan. So it's allowing people kind of that entryway into veganism while still eating eating something that seems almost like what they normally would be eating, right? Is that kind of the idea behind it in your yeah, mind? Absolutely, and 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 again, it's it's out of experience, right? So so why do we practice? We practice because we need the experience to then to be able. To, to get the knowledge, right? Just reading is maybe 30% of the equation. For me, uh, Impossible was a huge 
help to transition to Impossible and Beyond. And now all the, the great products in Asia to shout out like Shiok Meats and Omni. So these products have been a great help in transition to, to a vegan diet, right? I've been a huge meat eater for how many? 34 years of my life. Uh, so I've been vegan since three years now. By the time the podcast comes out, <laughs> it's going to be three years. And um, yeah, uh, in the beginning, that's very helpful, right? Because you, you, we, we as humans are slaves to our habits, right? And to break the habit, you need to go gradually. Again, coming from Dharma, right? Yeah. He always says like, don't, don't cut, cut the meat first and then cut the eggs and then cut the dairy. I say cut the meat and then the dairy and then the eggs, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it, it is it is about the gradual transition and these products can help a lot of people, especially the biggest attachment we have is to the senses and the sense of the taste. And if the taste is similar, well, it's, the, it's easier to, to do the right thing, right? Right, right. It's like a stepping stone if you will. So, yeah, I mean, I think those things are very important in allowing people who want to make those shifts be able to do them and it not feel so jarring, right? So it's it's definitely great that the, that technology and these these innovations are occurring to make, make that an easier thing for a lot of people. I'd love to go a little bit back and talk more about how really the yamas and, and niyamas have really impacted like that work life. Talk a little bit more about how that has really settled into like the interactions you have and and so forth. Yeah, I think, and, and again, right, I'm still working on it. It's not, and I think I will be working on it at least this lifetime, but probably more. But what the yamas and niyamas in terms of niyamas also as, as the practice, right, as, as the tapas the 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 burning fire desire to to practice and um, uh, the saucha is the cleanliness brings to the table is that slowly the mind starts to be more calm and and settle more into silence and you're becoming more and more a witness of of the mind and the body so sometimes in in meetings and negotiations I can observe my mind doing things, right? Oh, the mind is getting angry at this person. Interesting. Let's not let's not lose our face and just keep silent, right? Uh, or the the mind wants to say this out of a childish reaction, maybe coming. So you're becoming more in control, and that helps a lot, because I believe in to when you work on change negotiation becomes a very important skill and mm. the best negotiator negotiators are very calm people right they might be demonstrate certain emotions but these emotions are there for a purpose these are not the emotions they would feel and they are very much in control of themselves because negotiation is often about understanding the motivation behind the position of your counterpart and helping to actually improve and, and serve this motivation, right? So it's not about negotiation always uh, often has this uh, bad connotation of like, I'm trying to persuade you or I'm trying to manipulate you. But negotiation is actually about understanding what is, what is really what you really want, right? And how can I help you achieve it rather than uh, reacting to the position which you're bringing to the table. And in that sense, Yama niyama, but also pranayama, asana, meditation. Uh, so, pratyahara, dharana, dhyana, samadhi. Well, samadhi is far away. They help to to get this calm mind to better understand the others. But it's also about the compassion, right? About seeing ourselves in others. So when you're at the negotiation table, what is really behind this person? Why is he doing this? He or she doing the, uh, bringing this position to the table? Maybe it's also something which happened in their life, which is not related at all to, to what we're talking about, but the day form is heavily impacted, right? So having this compassion, I think, can be trained, 
right? This is what, what constant practice uh, produces. And um, that helps a lot in the business world, I believe, to come to solutions which are good for all the parties. Yeah, I think that that's such a great way to kind of change your perspective on negotiation. Well, tell me this, like what, how did, did you look at negotiation in this way prior to doing, going into the Dharma yoga path? No, I, I, I looked into negotiation. So I did negotiation training, right? And I read books on negotiation. But actually, this is something which, which came to mind while, while we speak right now i never looked at it this way hmm. uh, but now I'm, I'm i'm again through the observation you start start to get the knowledge right and to, to understand oh this is this is what the mind is doing and i think um the compassion is coming from the practice on the one hand side and on the other hand side all the uh, and from the practice, not, not only the asana and pranayama practice, which we are doing, but also from the diet, right? So, so we are now in our inter-module between the two modules of, of the 500 teacher training, right? And maybe you can talk a little bit about the diet we're, we're on. Well, I'm not going to the level in which you are. I'm currently going to a vegan diet because that has already been a lot for me. <laughs> but the other option has been the Ahimsa diet, which is much more restrictive in terms of really um, trying to be more of a sattvic diet, essentially, trying to eat more in terms of foods that are revitalizing your, basically revitalizing the energy within your body, right? So very... Um, based on whole plant, like plants, fruits, and so forth. So I know that that's really what you've been focused on right now. So yeah, so it's been yeah. it's been seven days. And I must say, it's, it's very interesting to observe, because a lot of what it cuts out are foods which uh, are rajestic, right, and tamasic, but especially the rajestic ones, which make you more actionable and more agitated right so the goal is to settle the mind into into silence and on the other hand when i think about like just before the training uh yes i've been vegan but i've been drinking coffee a lot like <laughs> a liter of coffee a day what is it a gallon in, <laughs> in in u.s measurement so so i had problems with my sleep and when I have problems with my sleep, I had problems with my emotions and I was getting angry without a reason, right? And now uh, I've been off coffee uh, already throughout the training, but now with the diet and off all the stimulants like chilies and some spicy food, fried food, and the uh, garlic onions. And it feels much more calm and much more peaceful. And I'm, I'm excited to bring this back to, to work when I return from my little sabbatical and see how I can apply this right and just be kinder to to the people around me it's interesting dharma says if you eat fried frozen foods you 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 feel fried or frozen right and it's it, it it really it really resonates when you do the diet of course the first because of the attachment to to the good things is a, is a hard time but the effects are so much worth it yeah it's it's very interesting i mean how it yeah it's very interesting the idea of like how much we are we are influenced by the things that we're eating that are essentially being absorbed into our bodies is kind of the idea behind it but yeah i love what you brought up there because it is interesting when you go through something like what we what we just did it's a two week intensive where we're basically eat, eating drinking sleeping yoga at all times right and you're doing that day in and day out for two weeks and it's funny how when you're trying to go back into the real world, it's almost like, how do I do this, right? Like you, you're so used to being surrounded by yogis and, and everyone's doing the same thing. Like we're all in this similar mindset. And then going back into your regular job, your regular whatever, um, whatever you normally do, and being around your family, being around, you know, having your regular life kind of come back into play. Not that that wasn't going on anyway, but but making that transition is definitely something that is difficult. You know, I mean, how, how have you been feeling as we've been coming out of it? Of course, you haven't gotten back to work yet, so that will be an interesting play. But um, what has been your kind of mindset around all that? There is the experience coming out of the 200, right? Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. I must say, 
<clears throat> people have been extremely receptive. So I think a lot of those concerns which you mentioned, this is just in our minds, right? Mm. What will people think when I talk about nonviolence or veganism? And so the mind always plays these tricks, right? It's, it goes like, uh, uh, there are always these, these little voices in your head, right? You have the critic who, who goes like, oh, you're not good enough. Or you, you have the protector who goes like, no, don't say this. Otherwise, you will lose your, your job or your, your, people will not respect you anymore. But when you are able to take control and, and just live by the right principles, not about imposing them on others, but offering them, Right? So, so offering, mm. uh, people are extremely receptive because I think a lot of us in, in depth realize that there is something missing from the modern life, the modern kind of accepted lifestyle, which is getting faster and faster and which is driven a lot by consumerism right? and by status and by, by the fixed mindset, which we were talking about. And the soul is still seeking this kindness and calmness and uh, i i really believe you know kindness is the, the new cool so people are very receptive and it's just takes a little bit of courage to to live continue living what, what we've learned so not let it end not have it as a like nice retreat and now i'm calm and i'm going back and i get all stressed out and but bringing the these principles what Joshua said right into your daily life so the yogic heart and then acting from from your heart rather combined with your mind so your mind is not completely useless right <laughs> <laughs> but it does plays tricks so it's about controlling the mind rather being controlled by the mind and listening to your heart now and then and, and bring the heart into the workspace mm, absolutely i mean do you you know because i i I love the idea that we come out of this and we're just like reform, completely reformed human beings, but I don't think it entirely works that way. Did you, do you find that, that there is sometimes like that falling off and coming back feeling for you? Or do you feel like you're just, you've just become a Zen Buddha over here? <laughs> no, I, I think it's, it's, um, uh, th there is definitely like, I've been following a lot of principles from the 200 for the first two years. And then the last year, I've seen a lot of slipping off by myself. So I was like, oh, I need to go back to Dharma and, <laughs> and be in his presence and get charged again and 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 listen to him and, and see what am I doing. Because sometimes, you know, Dharma might say the same things, but he says different things saying the same things, right? It's 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 It sounds similar to what he said before, but there is always something new we learn over something. So it's for me, it's a process. And it is it is not a linear process so it's not something where you go like oh i become more and more sattvic and then i get into samadhi and then i stay in samadhi and then i uh, become enlightenment enlightened no it's 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 there are up and downs there are fallbacks right yeah and there is ordering vegan chicken and getting real chicken and realizing it's after you ate it <laughs> <laughs> but you know just kidding there are definitely definitely fallbacks and i've i've experienced a lot of them uh, up to a point where I was questioning my, my spirituality uh, and my yogic path very recently actually mm. already signed up for the 500 hour training but I think it's it's all uh, part of the path and it's it's interesting my my teacher Daphne told to me you have no choice like you, you don't choose to be a spiritual being you are a spiritual being mm. right so so um there is, don't worry about it, right? Don't worry about it. It, it will happen uh, the way it's supposed to be, right? What helped you get back on track when you felt that way? Huh, interesting question. I, I, think, I think my teacher, Daphne, has been a big part of it. But it's also kind of going back to the, to the uh, sensual experiences, right? So, so... Um, and then realizing, ha, huh, that doesn't feel right anymore, right? It doesn't doesn't bring me the the joy or or the the peace I was I was, I'm seeking, just it used to to bring before, right? So like junk food, alcohol, of course, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this kind of things, and then when you're when you're 
a little bit better. I don't want to say back on the path or off the path because I believe it's 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 not like a state, right? It's a yeah. that there are. <clears throat> you're always on the path. Always on the path, um, but kind of getting back from these deviations, you realize it's 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 the, what you're seeking. The secret to it is is kind of the constant practice and and uh, devotion, but it's also. Uh, being kind to yourself and saying it's all right to slip off now and then. And Dharma has been talking about it uh, literally two weeks ago, right? Where he said, like, it's okay if you have a little bit of Kalua or Johnny Walker. <laughs> and then the next day you start again, right? And, and okay, enjoy it, but don't get attached to it. Enjoy it. Don't judge yourself. Don't don't blame yourself. And I think there is still a lot of self blaming with in in, in my personal case. Uh, but I'm learning also to say, okay, that was what it was meant to be, and now I'm I'm back on the path, and now I'm practicing again, uh, or practicing to to a degree which which I I need to practice. It's it's all perfect, right? Yeah, I mean, Dharma also says that. Um that we have to follow our tendencies, right? And that oftentimes our tendencies are causing us to ha- drink that Kahlua or whatever the case may be, and that we need to be accepting of that, that that is still a part of us. And it, you know, it's not going to change overnight. And I think, you know, I think he, he definitely tells us a lot about having self-compassion and, and forgiving yourselves for, forgiving ourselves for our missteps, because that is ahimsa, right? It always comes back to that idea where it's like we first and foremost need to remember to have compassion for ourselves. And I think that that is really challenging for, for most people, you know, ourselves included. Absolutely. And I think he also speaks about the laws of karma, right? Where he says, well, you know, you had this drink, you feel really terrible. Probably you did something in the past which kind of led to the point that you need to feel terrible because and that's why you had to have this drink right so so it's it's just the karma is not good or bad it's a correction right um mm. it's it's a correction and this is kind of bringing you towards a certain tendency and then you enjoy it or you suffer through it and then you're happy that it's you don't have to suffer again because you already cleaned up that that karma right 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 so when you came into 500 hour, did you feel like you're in a better like headspace around going into it? Or do you feel like that was still kind of like, ooh, what am, what am I getting into? I was just happy to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. And, and all the beautiful 200 people and the, all the new beautiful people from the 500. No, I think it's at the moment where you come back in, right? It's just... And you're back in the center after the pandemic. The, the, the whole three years are just gone, right? It's a, yeah. like like you never left. It, it is like you know. Although a lot of things changed, right? There is now a camera in front of Dharma recording him, and he wears a <laughs> microphone because we have online classes. And you know, I got COVID in the first uh, week of the training, so I was able to follow them online. It's it's perfect. All right, so so. No, I I think I think once you're you're back, it's 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 just amazing how much and we've been talking about how much energy Dharma brings again into the classes and uh, not only Dharma, all the teachers uh, and, and each and, other, uh, all, all the like. stuff and each other, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's it, it really is in, interesting, like just being in that space with um with all of all of us together is just wonderful and and what a gift that is, right? I I think gratitude is one of the biggest things that has become so important, you know, especially through the pandemic. And especially I think of how grateful I am to have done the 200 hour when we did and how grateful to do 500 now and just how grateful I am for everything is just, I I feel like that, that is one of the biggest, like not really gifts, but it is in a way, one of the biggest things that came out of going through the pandemic in a, in a way, right. Is being grateful for what you do have because, you don't know if it can be taken away in that way in many cases. And I think gratitude is a big enabler for kindness, right? Yeah. 
how can you be unkind to someone if 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 you're feeling great, grateful for what you have, right? Mm. But if you're ungrateful or if you're blaming whatever others, the the universe, yourself, uh, then the, those those feelings of anger and um, and violence creep in, right? Mm, absolutely. I always think it's interesting because um, that idea of your the people that kind of are are the ones that you dislike or you think you dislike or really challenge you are can often be your greatest teachers. And and I like to put the spin of having gra- gratitude towards the people that that challenge me because because they're teaching me something at the end of the day. Like it's often something in myself that I'm seeing reflected or you know, something along those lines, like, and being able to kind of take that, that lens of the situation. I always find that an interesting way to go about things. Thank you for teaching me that lesson. (laughs) It is. And and it can be people in circumstances, right? I, I think the first time in my life, now when I was down with COVID, uh, during the training, I was actually grateful. I was like, oh, that's such a great lesson, like uh, about having expectations because, you know, like coming to New York and living in New York for a while is is not the cheapest thing. And it's, it's an 18 hour flight from Singapore. So you're like, oh, okay, I spend, I, I invest so much, right, of my time, of my money. I want to get so much out of this training. I want to be so spiritual and so so kind and compassionate after this and I, I want to do a really deep asana and then you're down in in your tiny hotel room and you're watching dharma on the monitor which is also wonderful you know like like i connected to to the online students i think much more than i could have when i was at, uh, doing the classes in person so there is like another i have gained a, a second uh, family and community through this but it's it's also ah okay that's that's what what it's teaching me like let go of the expectations just just go with the flow right and then also kind of this ability to observe the body going through the sickness the first the mm. first two days uh, it was very very interesting to to just watch ah okay now i'm getting this now i'm getting fever now i'm getting uh, uh like cough and, and stuff like this oh okay that's what's happening so a lot of really wonderful lessons coming out of the circumstances where otherwise, you know, where, when you're angry and, and miserable, it doesn't do you good, right? So don't be angry because it's just no use, useless. <laughs> well, let's not go that far. I, Unless you, you have angry determination. Ooh, I like that. Well, I... Like it's interesting. I think a lot about emotions and and especially something like anger, which is considered like a negative emotion. And I think that anger acts as as also a teacher, right? Like you can learn a lot of, from your anger. Like I I don't know, as someone that has definitely been an angry person in in the past, in in a life before you probably met me. <laughs> no, maybe while we we're in two hundred. I don't know. Any case. No, I feel like I used to be a very angry person and and I found that I actually now when I do find that anger comes up, I actually look at it very differently where I let a I let myself get angry and and I don't push it away. I don't get mad at myself for being angry, which I used to do a lot. And and I like to look at why am I angry? What is triggering? Like what 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 is coming up for me inside of me that I need to look at? And, and also giving myself that compassion. So I, I say, like, it's okay to be angry. You know, it's okay to have these feelings. And, and, and it's okay to, for whatever it is that, that is coming up for me and, and kind of giving myself a hug around whatever is being triggered there. So I actually look at anger in that way now. But it's true. I mean, I, I love angry determination as far as Dharma is concerned. It's it's great. <laughs> but that's actually how I connect to emotions now, which has been a very big shift on my side. Absolutely. No, no. I think uh, the worst thing you can do is suppress the anger and bury it deep inside and then it bursts out somewhere, which does help to a lot of mental illness, right? Because people mm-hmm. uh, just suppress their emotions. I think it's different from being of in control of it, 
right? So observing it first, uh, but also again coming to the topics of the practice and the foods and the sleep, right? So so I I realized for me a lot of anger is caused by either not getting enough sleep, which is again affected a lot by the foods I'm consuming, but also by how much physical exercise I get, where we come to like. Did you skip the asana today? Huh? Uh, <laughs> did you do too little with your body and you were on the couch watching Netflix and eating, eating fries? Well, <laughs> that's why you did, didn't sleep well and that's why you're angry today. Right? So, so I think it's, it's, it's just being cautious about what's causing certain emotions. And if you don't like these emotions, trying to do the things which, which help you to avoid them. Right? We, we have to pay a bill for everything we do. Right, and it can be a good bill or it can be a bad bill. Well, no good, no bad. It's it it is just there is a cause and consequence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great point of being cognizant of like what what causes me to get have those feelings, and are there things I can do to kind of to not trigger myself in a way, right? Because essentially, you're saying like, well, if I don't sleep then I'm not going to feel great tomorrow and I'm probably going to be irritable, right? And angry. And it's like, how can you get ahead of that and, and prioritize yourself and actually give yourself the rest that you need, right? And if we talk about the tools, right? Again, coming to our intermodule period. So another tool is reflection, mm. right? So, so which we do through journaling, but there are other ways you can meditate on the topics. You can just sit quietly and, and, and think about your day. So there are many methods of reflection to understand what is actually going on, uh, but also reflecting on the knowledge which you're receiving from your teachers or from the scriptures or from from literature, uh, from the Netflix shows. <laughs> There's a lot of great Netflix shows on the topics now, frankly. So go go and binge Netflix if that's what you're talking about the comedy shows yeah well, not the comedy show but like there's like how to meditate like the the ones like the headspace one and all that kind of stuff now so I'm like hey you can learn some of these things like even through Netflix these days Dharma has been talking a lot about YouTube has he? I, yeah it's like oh I have to stop watching too much YouTube <laughs> oh man that's great Okay, so looking at the time now, so is there anything else that you want to cover off on that we haven't talked about so far? Yeah, sure. So let's look a little bit forward, right? I think talking about what's what's coming next for me is that I'm moving much more towards the climate and sustainability space in my role, uh, in my day job role. And I want to think about how to combine this with with all the amazing teachings we're receiving from our teachers dharma but also the practice during the the 500 hours and also how to bring more yoga into into the corporate life right so i was thinking for example the from the formats I've been doing so far. So, for example, right now with with the corporate team, uh, we're doing a full practice, which is one and a half hours, which is chanting and then asana, then and then a deep relaxation, pranayama, meditation, to having smaller formats which might fit into everyone's schedule, right? So, so that we maybe do like a pranayama and meditation class for thirty minutes uh, and do it more frequently. Also thinking about how to bring more of the mindfulness and, and calmness practices, so especially pranayama and meditation into meetings and, and, and work, uh, if there's uh, space for it. I used to do, when I was with my team alone, the calming breathing for the first like one, two minutes of every meeting we started. But gradually it's it, it kind of the time took over. So maybe returning back to that. And then on the on the content side, really going beyond the mobility, it has already been the last, I would say, five years that uh, the energy topic has been uh, my major topic because I believe that mobility and energy have to integrate together. Uh, to enable more renewable energies. Um, so if you think about electric cars, they are not 
just a cleaner mode of transport. In fact, the first up to six years, actually an ICE car is more environmental friendly because for the production of electric vehicles, so much resources are used. But then I'm thinking about electric cars as batteries on wheels, which are a major enabler for decentralized energy storage, which in, in turn can enable much more renewable energies. Right, so, so working on things like this, but then going also towards the agricultural level, what can we do there? <clears throat> going towards uh, consumer goods, uh, sustainable finance. So seeing where I can bring more uh, people together to, to generate the impact in that stage, but also advising our clients uh, on these topics is something which I'm very passionate about. Amazing. I, one question off of that that I was thinking of was if if someone wanted to bring more either, and you could talk about both really, sustainability or kind of the yogic practices into their business space, what would you recommend them to kind of as the starting point to doing that? Well, engage someone who knows. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. So I, I think when we talk about sustainability, it's it's really looking at the boring topics, which often get overseen, right? So so even if you think even about uh, industries like oil and gas, right? Or they say, well, oil is kind of our main industry and now there are more and more practices where they go and, and re- restructure their retail space towards more electrified uh, mobility or electrified offering but then looking in, at the things like how is my energy consumption for the refineries or for the when we talk about manufacturing for my plants right so decarbonizing the, the supply chain is is very important uh, the i i believe in business the biggest enabler is is a circular economy so circularity um, in terms of not throwing away or wasting resources, energy, produce, whatever it be, but but having a a circular uh, principle uh, also in terms of going even away from recycling to more repurposing and refurbishing of goods, right? So so looking into these principles uh, in a business will definitely help a lot. And that has to go, of course, with 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 a business case because with this resource usage, or resource saving, you're actually saving money. So there is a business case. The only shift the leaders need to make is from thinking too short term towards more long term vision, right? Mm-hmm. Because it might take years and you might invest uh, in terms of capital expenditures today to have a much uh, lower OPEX or much higher revenue potential in the future. So uh, taking the long term view towards sustainability the actions have to be taken now because unfortunately we are already at a stage where it's too late to talk and it's it, the actions are required. So biting the bullet and saying, yes, I might have to go through some savings in the next couple of years before I go to, uh, to, to a uh, very profitable business case after three, four, five, six, seven years. Uh, this is um, the mindset which I would recommend. And in terms of yogic practices uh, i do believe that compassion is is the most important one because if we see ourselves as one right so you are me and i'm you if you if we can understand and and try to feel how other people feel we already are going towards a uh, much more kinder and much more receptive and much more helping world I love that. What do you feel? Because, you know, I think that oftentimes, especially in the climate change space, it feels like too big of a insurmountable problem, right? So do you have any thoughts on the individual level? Like what, where to begin? Yeah, absolutely. I I think it's starting small, right? Starting small steps. I do believe that the diet is, is the biggest enabler, just looking at the numbers, right? How much the animal agriculture is contributing, not only in terms of the emissions from the animals themselves, but from the consumption of 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 the produce, consumption of energy, consumption of water. So the vegan lifestyle, if you can embrace it, and maybe it's it's starting with one day a week and then gradually 
consuming less and less animal products. Um, that's a big enabler. But then it's it's also about looking at other habits which you do, right? So do you really need to have a plastic bag every time you, you go or can you carry a, a reusable bag with you, like a small one, right? Things like transportation, right? Well, you live in New York City, so it, it is faster most of the times to take the subway, which I realized, and it's much, much cheaper. Uh, but in many places, uh, people do prefer personal transportation, and public transportation is the best uh, or the most sustainable way to move around. Of course, you know, we have people who are not able to do, take public transport because it might be, for example, not uh, mo- um, mobility enabled for mobility impaired people or some people need special assistance like elderly. And of course, th- those those transportation uh, means have have their place in life, right? And, and sometimes you don't have the time to take the public transport. But if you can, try to shift, right? Maybe you want to keep yourself healthy and take the bicycle or walk. So the small choices, when more and more people start taking them, are really making a difference, right? And I think this understanding that your small choice counts is the most important one. Because this is what's happening with voting, right? This is when people go and say, oh, my, my voice actually, how much does my voice count? Well, it counts as much as any other person's voice. So if you can take one action at a time, try to think that uh, it is significant. Right? I think that's a great way to look at it because it, it often does feel like, does my little contribution matter but I think you're right it's like every little bit counts and and we can we can all do our part so I love that okay so I'd love to move on now into our kind of um the final questions I have so the first question is what is something that you are currently working on with yourself hmm a lot of things so I'm not thinking because I'm, I'm perfect. I'm thinking because I'm working on a lot of things. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's really being, being an observer, right? Or connecting more because being, we are always the self, but connecting more to the self and, and witnessing the emotional, the physical and the uh, mental bodies and how the different practices, be it the food, the physical practice, the pranayama, uh, the meditation, how it contributes. This is something which I'm very curious about and, and working on now. And then becoming more calm and more peaceful. So kind of not letting emotions to take control, but mm-hmm. being in control in a positive way, right? So not in terms of suppressing, but being in control of my emotional and my mental body. I love that. So kind of piggybacking off of that, then how would you describe your current relationship to yourself? I'm learning to love myself. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So next question then, what do you consider most valuable to you right now? Huh. I was about to say time. But I think time is time is something which is also kind of belonging to the path, right? In I would say it, it is the relationship to to the people, to the wonderful people around me, right? And I, I will not start calling them out because otherwise we will have a, a three-hour podcast at least. <laughs> um, but be it. In, in terms of the relatives, the friends, the teachers, uh, the colleagues who are friends in my life. This is, this is something which really I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to have these relationships. Wonderful. What is the best lesson that you've learned recently? I don't know if it's recent, but it's a lesson which keeps repeating itself and it's do what has to be done without attachment to the fruits of your action. And interestingly, it's something which I didn't learn through yoga. 
Mm. Uh, it's it's something which a friend of my dad and a close friend of our family told me when I was a kid where he said a man has to do things because well a man has to do things because these things have to be done I know it's it's very like male dominated yeah sure but no it was a, among men <laughs> and that that kept with me and then it keeps refining itself right so it's understanding what does it actually mean and understanding how it works in terms of oh actually if i don't have expectations then i will not be disappointed right mm. that's just logical and there are things which have to be done and because they are meant to be done so this lesson keeps following me and it's getting more and more refined interesting i love that that idea where it's like it just keeps repeating itself to you because it's like yeah and it gets you hone in on it a little more i love that so then last question is what is the number one skill you believe that everyone should work on well you, you probably know what i'm gonna say right it's <laughs> compassion it is it is definitely compassion right yeah. being being a student of sri dharma of, of daphne it is it is compassion and seeing ourselves in others and it's not definitely not an easy skill and the skill I'm still working on and will be working on for lifetimes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Andre, for coming on A Way of Thinking. And so you can find Andre at his Instagram, at Mobility Yogi. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. That was wonderful. <laughs> Same here. It's been so lovely having you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to A Way of Thinking. If you loved this episode, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends. I hope some of the beautiful wisdom shared today resonates with you and perhaps creates some change in your way of thinking. If you're looking for support in your journey, click on the link to my website to book a free self-love discovery session. Remember that I believe in you and I am so excited for the day that you believe in you too. Let's continue learning and growing together.